we decided to run the podcast a bit differently for 2020. And instead of having regular episodes, we're going to run three series of five podcasts a year. The first one is with Guy Tallhurst, serial entrepreneur and founder of Mindful Investing. Guy talks us through how a life-changing event led him to think about what he could do for his own mental health, but also how he can implement more positive mental health strategies in his own businesses. I hope you enjoy the show, and if you do, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Hi, Guy. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, so can you start with by just taking us through your kind of personal and professional experiences within mental health? Yeah, by all means. So um, I guess the uh, word kind of men- mental health, I guess mental has kind of meant different things to me. It's sort of different stages uh, in my life. I think early on at sort of school, you know, mental was a sort of derogatory derogatory term bandied around at, at school and things like that. And then when I was up at of university in, in Leeds, we were, positive, we were out there positively seeking experiences that were mental. So I think the word mental has kind of had a number of meanings uh, for me throughout my life, but I've only really been become aware of my own mental health in the last few years. And before that, I didn't, hadn't fully appreciated that I had mental health. Um, and the reason I became aware of it was because I didn't recognize um, how, what I was feeling and the experiences that I was going through as um, mental health issues. And I had, I guess, experienced in building my businesses stress and pressure for and high expectations and placed high demands on myself for a long period of time. But my mental health really struggled when I experienced what I refer to as a life event, which was the separation from my you know, partner and my two very young children that I didn't see coming. It uh, came as quite a, quite a big, uh, massive shock to me. Um, we had a one-year-old and a four-year-old um, at that time. And suddenly my, my balance in my life was just thrown completely into, into kilter and I, I struggled to cope. Um, and I guess what ensued after that was um, mental health issues. And I now know, looking back, that I've probably been experiencing burnout for a period of time uh, in the run-up to that. But it was only when I started feeling very isolated, I started pulling myself back, uh, my ability to even complete you know, basic daily tasks, I was, was unable to get out of bed. Um, that I, and then when I experienced my first um, panic attack, that I realised that actually my mental health was really, uh, really, really suffering. Um, so yeah, that's been my my. So I guess my experiences was uh, sleepless nights, bouts of depression, anxiety attacks, panic attacks, suicidal ideation. Uh, for periods of time, uh, for about 18 months, and I didn't talk to anybody um, about it. But now I'm much more aware because I know much more about it. And uh, and I'm now, uh, part of my mission is to go out there and ensure that entrepreneurs in particular don't suffer in silence if they are struggling with their mental health. And similarly, that young 
younger people who are considering becoming entrepreneurs or becoming entrepreneurs for the first time understand the impact that being an entrepreneur can have on your mental health. Yeah, so that's that's something we were talking about um, before we started recording. Do you think the issues that you had were were tied specifically to, to your career or do you think that they may have come up um, whatever career you've chosen to go into? Well, I think it's a really interesting question. I would say that the they probably could have come up whatever career that, um, that that I got into. I think if anybody experiences a life event, I think life events are really you know important thing to look into because they are the known unknown. They can be a positive, could be the birth of a child, wedding, moving into a new home, and the impact that that will have on your you know, positive posit, uh, your work and positivity and your mental health. Or they could be negative, like the death of a family member, um, a critical illness of you or a loved one, uh, or separation, breakdown of a you know a relationship or, or a business. So. Mine, mine was a, a you know a particular life event. I think the reason that I guess it was more acute for me was as an entrepreneur, you just don't have the option of just switching off and walking away from the business because there is this expectation that you need to be all, always on. There are people, the business, the customers, the team that are relying on you, um, and as the face. Um, and the leader of a business, there's the expectation uh, on you that you need to show up and you need to be there and you need to be the pillar of strength for the business. Um, whereas I imagine if I'd, I've not worked a huge amount in the corporate world, in the corporate world, I've always been always been an entrepreneur. But I imagine in the corporate world, if I was experiencing something like that, I probably would have gone down, you know, the route of maybe seeking help, asking for help, and probably being signed off work for a period of, of recovery. Um, and I guess as an entrepreneur, I didn't allow, uh, or didn't feel I could allow myself to have that period of recovery. I just had to put a mask on, pretend that I was okay, and just get on with it. Yeah, so it, it wasn't something that occurred to you to, to build in a, a support network for yourself at work, rather than just relying on... Um, on a different support network. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really interesting point, and you know, I talk when I when I do talks around uh, sort of mental health and and uh, workplace well-being is about support networks, um, and I think that they are critical. Um, and I didn't realise quite how important uh, my support network was uh, until I felt that I didn't have one. Um, so I'll just dive into that in a little bit of detail if I can. So. I think the challenge for an entrepreneur and where it can become quite unique is your first sort of line of support network is often your friends and family. And sometimes you've, you know, especially family, you've convinced them, I'm going to go down this entrepreneurial journey. I'm going to choose this life. And that often means, you know, sacrifices for them because of the time and commitment you have to put into your business. Um, So when things go wrong, it's often quite hard to go to them because there's this, sex, there's this feeling that, well, I chose this path. You know, I've made these sacrifices. So when, it go, when go, things go wrong, you feel that sense of sort of guilt that oh, I've brought you along for this, for, this, uh, for this journey and actually I'm really struggling or it hasn't worked out in the same way. 
If you then look to say your second line of support network and you say well, your, your, you know, your colleagues potentially, um, it, as an entrepreneur, you have to be, unless you have uh, defined your culture in such a way as we now have within our business, it's quite hard to be very open about your mental health because, unless you have, because there's concerns that your team will leave, that they'll lose confidence in you as their leader. And people have you know, quite a disposable culture to you know, their careers nowadays and people move jobs much more than they, than they used to. Um, so you can become very lonely and isolated if then you suddenly can't talk to your friends and family, you can't speak to your colleagues. So you have to sort of look beyond that. Um, and that could be professionals such as coaches, mentors, therapists. It could be peers such as other entrepreneurs, other people who are going through similar experiences of you. Um, or it could be investors. Uh, and investors is an area you know, that I'm particularly uh, interested in because I think that you know, they done well. Investors can, can create a, a really and encourage a really good support network around, around entrepreneurs. Yeah, so just just going back to that that point on on culture, how how have you built um, a culture that encourages support networks in in the businesses that you run at the moment? So w- w- what we did we didn't do before was we didn't mental health wasn't an everyday conversation um, in the same way that health generally, whether it's mental health or physical health, isn't really an everyday conversation. But in our business now, it's okay for people not to be okay. And it's okay for people to um, talk about if they're struggling and we have much more of an open um, and uh, open culture towards that. We've gone through exercises like having mental health first aiders within the organization. We've implemented um, a way to monitor our um, mental well-being of the workforce that we have here and our colleagues using a an app called 87% um, that the team log into and update in terms of how they're doing and they get signposted as to areas that they need to improve on. And we, as a business, get feedback in aggregate as to how the mental health of the, of, of the team are doing. We now have a head of workplace and well-being within the organization. So it's just fo- solely focused on the people within the, within the business because people are a business's most important um, asset. Um, and we've brought in things um, to focus on the culture uh, of the workplace. So we have a work uh, a workplace buddy system that we're rolling out at the moment where everybody feels that there's somebody there that's looking out for them and can talk to and support them. And that rotates. Um, people go out on team walks uh, during lunch and they go off to exercise classes. And we've got access to lots of different resources in and around the business. So workplace well-being is now on the agenda, whereas it wasn't 12 months ago, 18 months ago. Yeah, and, and you found this stuff personally beneficial for your own mental health. Yeah, absolutely, because I feel that I'm coming into a, a, a created and inclusive and supportive workplace. And so naturally, as the... You know, the leader of that workplace, when I come here, I can be very open about how I 
how I'm feeling uh, and share that with people. Whereas previously I was, I was just speaking to one person and it was like this big secret when I first started talking about it, that actually I was really struggling. And the reason I wasn't at work today was because I, you know, I was, I was really, really struggling. Um, but there was only one person that knew. So I think that, you know, the business, um, the team, you know, didn't know where I was and didn't know what I was doing um, because I hadn't, I hadn't sort of brought in that, open and transparent uh, culture around our health. How did you kind of feel about opening up about the 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 potential vulnerabilities that you had and, and talking about how you were feeling and the experiences you had? Was that something that you were at the start maybe a bit reticent to, to, to say because you didn't know how it would be, be taken in the world that you work in? Or was that something that you were that you always wanted to do because you thought it could be, you know, potentially empowering for you, but also empowering for the, the people that you work, that work for you. Yeah, no, I was totally reticent. I, I suffered in silence for over 18 months. Um, didn't tell anybody about it because I was, I was confused. I was ashamed. I thought I was, again, I didn't think the feelings I was feeling were normal. Um, I now know, you know, they are normal. Um, yeah, I, I hid behind, hid away um, for fear of our customers um, losing confidence, my team leaving, uh, us, that we would never secure investment. So all, all of these reasons and rationale that I made up for, in my head for not talking about it. And when I eventually did talk about my mental health, um, in the context of encouraging lots of other entrepreneurs to talk about theirs as well. Um, it was a hugely, you know, cathartic, uh, effect and it was definitely a big contributor to my progress and healing, um, and being much more aware, you know, of my mental health. And the great thing is it's encouraged other people within our business and my team and my colleagues to speak openly about their mental health and whether theirs and their you know, friends and family, and it's encouraged hundreds of other entrepreneurs to to speak openly you know, about their mental health um, in building their businesses. Yeah, I was about to touch on that. So, do you think there's even an argument that, um, or maybe there's there's no argument at all about it that you've created a better business, a better running business because you've been able to talk about it, and that's encouraged, you know, your workers to be. Um, uh, to be feel like they can be much more open and empathetic towards each other and and potentially that has increased the quality of the work that they do because they know that um that if they do get into into trouble then there's there are there's a set path of, of ways that they can help themselves out yeah i think for, for for me i would say i'm now a much more compassionate and empathetic leader than i have been before entrepreneurs generally uh, in especially the early stages of running a business are not very empathetic and not very compassionate because they can't see beyond their business and the problems that they're trying to solve with that business um to 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 people it's quite hard to to switch um between between those two when you're so focused on on building your thing or nurturing your baby if you like um so I would say from a personal perspective, yeah, I'm much more compassionate and I've surprised myself in terms of how compassionate and empathetic I now am to the needs of others. 
Um, and I think in turn, my the team now feel well, um, hopefully well supported. It, it's obviously, it's a constantly evolving um, brief for us as an organization in the same way that everybody's mental health is, you know, is, is on a spectrum. Um, so we're by no means a, um, a shiny example, but we're, we're constantly aware of it and we're putting interventions in place and innovations in place so that if people do struggle, they know that they can, they, they, they can talk openly about it. Um, and we can signpost them to professional help if they need it. And we have done that recently for one particular employee, employee who we offered to subsidize therapy for. Um, and yeah, we're, we're now creating an inclusive and supportive workplace where people feel that their problems can be, can be shared. Um, and it's a place that they want to, yeah, they want to, they want to turn up to and they want to, they want to be here, but if they're not and they can't be for any reason, then that's okay. Yeah. That's, that's really great. And I suppose as, as a business person, from your point of view, you're, you are investing in these people. So you want them to be, you know, the best that, the best version of themselves that they can be and you want to create an environment that they want to stay in i suppose yeah i mean the, so so i think the two, two things coming like mental health issues you know somebody's having mental health issues and you know and they're going to work on a day-to-day -day basis you know they're employed whether it's working in any workplace really they've got two options they can either be absent or they can be present and that mental health issue can still be rumbling on whether they're absent or whether they're present. And that, this is known as sort of absenteeism and presenteeism. Hmm. And presenteeism is actually, I believe, the biggest contributor to the productivity issues that we've got in the UK at the moment. And this is where people are turning up to work and they are there, but they're not there. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're bringing you know, the issues that they're struggling with, they are struggling through them in the workplace rather than being absent and taking the time that they need. And their productivity as a result drops, which then has an impact on them, potentially um, causing the mental health issues to, you know, continue for, for longer. Um, but it has an impact on the business as well. So in those, you know, some recent studies going into the cost of presenteeism and, and things like that in the UK. Yeah, and something you touched on a bit earlier is the the, the potential role that investors have in um, in I suppose safeguarding, well, maybe not safeguarding, but looking after the the mental health of the the entrepreneurs that they invest in, um, and that's something that that you've taken to heart. Can you explain, you know, a little bit about um, about the work that you've been doing that around that? Yeah, I can. So. Um... You know, I think that um, you know, le leading leading any sort of business, you know, is, is is a privilege, and being able to for people that want to come and work with you and and support your ideas, and through the courage, conviction, of commitment of others, seeing those ideas come to life is is amazing. Um, if you're doing that with somebody else's money, there's a responsibility associated with that, and my concern is that at the moment there's a huge amount of money that is flowing into um, small businesses and there's a huge amount of money that's available to small businesses and that's great 
um, we need more capital flowing into small businesses, but it has to be t it has to be responsible capital. And so I look at this from two angles. So first of all, entrepreneurs need to be responsible and be cognizant of the fact that when you go out there and take on investment, you're taking on other people's money. And if you take on other people's money, that's going to come with responsibilities. It's going to come with expectations. And those responsibilities and expectations are going to place pressure on you. So just because you've got a good idea, just because you think, you know, I've, I've invented the next best thing, taking on money, you need to appreciate the pressure that that could have on you, that additional pressure of having other people's money. So that's one sort of consideration. And I, I worry a little bit at the moment that, that because entrepreneurship has become so fashionable and money is uh, so readily available, that entrepreneurs, young, particularly younger entrepreneurs, are taking on a lot of other people's money, a lot of without the full understanding of, first of all, how hard entrepreneurship can be, how lonely entrepreneurship can be, the expectation that comes with that investment. Um, and they're not really ready for the, you know, the highs and lows that come from the, a fast growth business. And generally, if you're taking on investment, you're going to be experiencing fast growth. So when you then look at it from the investor, that's kind of from the entrepreneur's angle. So I want to ensure that entrepreneurs take on money are doing so with their eyes wide open and they're understanding the support network and stuff that they may need um, around them and that they're buckled up from the, for the ride. From an investor's perspective, it needs to be a responsible investment. You shouldn't be putting money behind un un unprepared entrepreneurs that you don't think are resilient enough or prepared enough or well supported enough to build that business because ultimately if you're putting money in, in, into that business you know that it's going to create additional pressure and demands on them so i just i think it needs to be done um responsibly and what we were noticing is that the runway to investment has shortened so people are getting capital earlier on in their entrepreneurial life cycle and the amount of capital that's going into businesses has increased. So there's lots of capital around. There's a lot of competition for some of the best deals. And what I wanted to do is ensure that investment was being done mindfully and that when they were putting the money into these businesses, they weren't just focusing on the profits, but they were also focusing on the people and putting the right support around those people so that they can build that business sustainably with their relationships still intact, with their mental health um, still intact, and that they weren't placing unrealistic expectations and demands on young, younger, unprepared entrepreneurs. So I created something called Mindful Investor, um, which is a kite mark and a set of principles for the investment community to follow about what mindful investments should look like. And yeah, so the way you described it is, it seems very much like a two-way street that you're trying to encourage. So the the investors need to think about um, why they're investing in the people and, and what the additional stresses of that could put on. But But the entrepreneur themselves also needs to look at whether this person is the right person and, and maybe whether they are the right person for it as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit, you know, it, it, it is, it's that self self analysis, 
Um, and also, I think that if you think about there's a lot of money chasing too few fewer good deals, I believe that the, the, the additional dimension that hasn't really been thought about or focused on in the VC community, um, we're, seeing, we're going to start seeing this year, next year, and in future years, is how supportive that investor is to the founder, the leadership team, and the teams that they're investing in. It could be those softer skills around support, inclusivity, that will be the um, determining factor as to whose money these um, highly ambitious, high potential businesses will take. Because all the money's got the queen's head on it. So, but you're going to be asking for, well, I want more than that. I want to know what you're going to do for me. Are you going to surround me with coaches? Are you going to put a mentoring program in place for me? Are you going to give me access to a peer and support network? Are you going to ensure that I'm taking my holiday? Are you going to ensure that if I do have a life event, that you're going to help me put together an interim CEO and you're not just going to remove me as a CEO um, and get somebody else in because I can no longer do the job? So it's all those sorts of questions that I think are going to start to come through. And that, and that I believe, is why mindful investors is important. And I think in the UK, I genuinely believe and this is my, my mission with Mindful Investor, is to create the most inclusive and supportive investment community in the world. Um, and I believe, I genuinely believe we can do that. Yeah, and yeah, that, that's a, a, a brilliant um, a brilliant thing to, to aim to do. And it, it seems to me it's very much a holistic kind of plan and, and that strikes a chord with the way that I personally feel that, that mental health issues should be dealt with. So it, it should be first of all proactive so we need to encourage people to um, like you were saying think about it think about these issues before they happen um, so make sure they're, they're safeguarding themselves and doing the things that will reduce the likelihood of them having um, having these issues but also being building in the resilience with them that they that, that they're able to cope with unexpected life events um, as best that they can but also um, looking at it from a very holistic perspective, so you said having the mentors, the coaches, you know, making sure they take their holiday, all of that kind of stuff, which I think is 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 the way to approach it in in the entrepreneurship um, area, like you've been describing, but also with with people's general mental health and well being, just you know, in an overall in an overall way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think prevention, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, the old adage of prevention is is better than cure. And because mental health is, you know, is a constant, um, you know, there's lots of things that, that you, you could be doing. And I think that traditional private equity, VC, investment money hasn't really done. It's just been, you know, a load of money plonked on the table um, and said, right, don't lose it. <laughs> yeah. And now um, it's, it's got to be much, much more of a sort of inclusive and supportive package um, around that investment. And fortunately, you know, there are some investors out there that are, you know, that, that, are, that are ahead on this and that are really thinking about, you know, thinking about the people uh, a lot more. But for every investor that's thinking about that, I've probably got twice as, as many horror stories for entrepreneurs of where investment has has actually been, you know, the worst thing that ever happened to them. 
yeah and, and just to start kind of wrapping things up what what do you do um to look after your own mental health and what would you recommend for um what would you recommend for someone like you say 15 years ago or however long ago it was starting out on, on that journey um i'd say number one is is support network you need to know who you're going to talk to and, and who you interact with when things go wrong and understanding you know, i haven't been able to have you know, very honest conversations about my mental health with you know with my with my family um but, but i have started to be able to with my friends but it wasn't really until i found other entrepreneurs and found i guess my tribe that i was talking to people who could understand and empathize with exactly what i was going through so the analogy i use often is as a new parent you go on to something called nct which is national children's trust and you go to these groups with other people who are going to have kids at the same time as you you've never met any of them before generally but often you form friendships for life, you know, because you're going through these shared experiences with other parents. So support network and trying to understand other entrepreneurs who are also, you know, payday anxiety and things like that, have all the money going out of the bank, trying to find people, your tribe that, that are like you. Um, second thing I'd say, treat mental health like mental fitness. Um, it's something that you need to work on. Um, it's a constant. So carving out time uh, for yourself. I now, I work from home every Friday. I wouldn't have even thought that that was fathomable uh, 12 months ago. And I now do it every Friday. And it's because I actually just need that time and space for me. Um, exercise, as everybody knows, physical health and mental health are intrinsically linked. Um, and try new things. Uh, I, I think in the last three months, I have stop drinking so for a period i'm going for a 90 day uh, period of not drinking um alcohol just to experience it and it's about the fourth time i've done that for a period so kind of intermittent sobriety if you like um paddle boarding um that for me i've never really been very very good at, at meditation and formal meditation but for me paddle boarding is a complete escape um i'm too worried to take my mobile phone with me in case it goes in the in the river um, swimming again, again, completely to escape. It's time for your thoughts to sort of come in and go out. Um, and most recently, and most out there, um, I did my first ice bath about six six weeks ago, um, which was an amazing experience. Um, and I am two days in to a thirty day patch of having cold showers in the morning. So today was my second day of a freezing cold shower and probably the craziest time to pick to do that, especially how cold it was in, in, in London today. Um, but I do it for a minute. I do it after my hot shower. My, your body knows exactly what to do with that cold, um, but it's just your, your head that freaks out. And you, the only way to control it is through your breathing. And I had no idea of the power of your breath until I met guy called Richie, the breath guy, and the vent I went to. And now I can actually breathe through a cold shower. And after, by the time I'm coming up to about a minute, I'm actually fine. I'm weird, weirdly, I'm sort of enjoying it. Um, so trying these new things, and I think this is making me more conscious of my breath, and it's encouraging me to use, you know, use my breath to con control what's going on in my head. 
um so yeah i'm trying lots of lots of new things that's, yeah that's brilliant seems like a a really interesting kind of sweet suite of things that you're using and just finally to finish off where where can we find about more about what you do um the businesses you run mindful investor all that kind of thing yeah so um if you're interested in sort of me and the businesses i run probably the easiest place is on is on linkedin so i'm on linkedin there the guy tolhurst t-o-l-h-u-r-s-t um and if mindful investor strikes a chord with anyone then you can find out more about that at mindfulinvestor.co um, and if you're interested in entrepreneurial stories, I published my book, um, which is available uh, at 100stories.co.uk. So that's 100, the number, and then stories.co.uk. Um, if you're not interested in the book, then we've got all 100 of those stories online. So you can read about lots of high growth businesses um, and how they've grown their businesses. We've got 100 case studies uh, on that website. Brilliant guy, that's been absolutely fascinating. Good luck with the the rest of the cold showers. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'll see how I do. See how I do. Cheers. Really nice talking to you. guy and i talked about we find helpful we're not trained medical experts if you're struggling please contact your local gp or health service or call an organization like samaritans on 116 123